Roll for initiative. Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. Tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game, because the only way to win at a role-playing game is to, to have, have fun. fun. I'm Ryan the Curmudgeon, and joining me as always is Carrie the Legend, mm-hmm. and Jason. What? The, the favorite. favorite. Also the one who's been practicing character voices. Why? You can't do that this whole show. I d- dare me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, that should be a new Patreon level. I do a funny voice for the whole episode. I know. Have your choice. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I didn't miss him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I once had the, the most successful D&D NPCs I've ever played as enemies were these Vorpal Pixies. And they talked like really high and they swore constantly like, hey, buddy, you better not fuck with me. I'm going to cut your fucking head off with this vorpal blade. It's only an inch long, but the rules say if I roll a 20, you're dead. And it killed every time I've ever run them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Especially if I rolled a 20. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then everybody's like. Oh. Fuck, we gotta take these guys seriously. These oh, tiny, adorable guys with oh. their surprisingly sharp swords. You better not mess with me, buddy. There's five of us. I've got a one in five chance of killing you. I've only got three hit points, but I'll fuck you up. Well, before we get into that... <laughs> it kills every time. Let's uh, talk about our Patreon. We've got a Patreon. Behind their backs. Yeah, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast uh, where you can uh, pledge to become a patron of the show. And that money helps keep the show on the air and pays for our bills and stuff and also gets you free stuff like uh, prints and postcards and shout-outs. And... Oh, 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 I have a special shout-out. Oh, a special shout-out. Shoot out. Well, Josh Heath is now supporting us. We have Yay. a new Patreon! Yay. Patreon. Yay. He's always supported us emotionally. Yeah, that is true. That's true, but, given, but, but becoming a patron of the show... Uh, that's the least he could do. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, literally. It was the least he could do. He was like, can I do less? And we were like, mm, that's probably it. And he was like, okay. That reminds me about this guy uh, at work. He's the boss. He makes <laughs> really, really good money. Yeah. And it is a tradition at work that either you get, on your birthday, you have two options. You bring a cake in, or three or four guys hold you down, and the rest of us paddle you. It's not often that people get paddled. I would think, yeah. But it does still happen occasionally, because somebody just refuses to bring a cake in. you hit hard? Oh, of course. Uh, Why why would you paddle somebody not hard? Uh, Well... Uh, let's start with why would you paddle somebody? Because they didn't bring a cake in. I thought I covered that. (laughs) The cake is actually a new invention a long time ago. The, the, the thing was, when it was your birthday, the four biggest guys on the side held you down. And then the next smallest guy, you know, he paddled you. Wow. Right. So anyway. When did you start working at the S&M dungeon? Yeah, well, construction jobs are weird. There's a lot of weird traditions. Yeah, I'm getting that. Okay, so uh, I'm going to tell you the weirdest tradition <laughs> that I know of that has happened to two different people that I have met. Hold, hold on, hold on. I'm so sorry, Josh. <laughs> I, we, Josh, we appreciate you. Thank you. And let, letting Jason talk for a minute is the least we can do. That's right. Oh. So there's a tradition on construction sites that if you are going to get married the next day, that everybody holds you down and paints your balls blue. And I know at least two people that it has happened to. It's not a thing that everybody does anymore, but it's still sort of... The tradition, and it's brought up anytime anybody's getting married that they're going to paint your balls. All right, I'll bite. I'll bite. How do you know this happened twice? Okay, so I <laughs> I know a person who held the guy down. All right, because it was my father. It happened about thirty years ago to this dude who made a big deal about how that nobody here was a big enough man to paint his balls blue, and he turned out that was true. But ten dudes can do whatever they want. <laughs> and they held that guy down and they painted his testicles blue with 
this like indelible ink stuff that they right. use on the job. And uh, you know, today the, they would go to jail. Y- yeah, only if that guy tells somebody, and then they're would be shunned. You know, that's how things like this work. How do you think hazing keeps happening because everybody okay, knows that they can turn like them in? I would like to let everybody know that I'm mortified, like, for real, like, now, that's sexual harassment. Oh, yeah, no, it's terrible. And terrible, and don't do it. No, you know, no, don't the, do it. The most unusual uh, tradition that happens at my work is that the last person to go home at night closes the dishwasher and hits start. No, that's not that unusual. I'm just saying, yeah. like, that's as weird as I get at my work. Well, and you have to remember that, like, a lot of this stuff comes out of, like, this hyper-masculine culture that used to exist on construction jobs. It's, used to. It's nothing compared to what it used to be. <laughs> it is night and day. Right. So, Josh. Yeah, yeah. so, Josh. Thanks for joining us, Thanks Josh. for joining us. Uh, we've also got uh, Joel Eastland. Joel Eastland. Oh, the, these are, now we're moving on to our wizard Level. Wizard levels. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Is that the wizard? We're doing wizard voices now? I don't know. No. no. Ryan Martin. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like the, you it's should the, do. No, it's the sorting hat. Oh, yes. I, I see that. It's the sorting hat. No. Drew Stevens. Drew Stevens. What is wrong with you people? Your turn, Carrie. Hi, Joe Hines. Lost Colonies LARP! That's true. Oh, Cameron Pruitt, you're my favorite. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. He is my favorite. Is he? Yeah. He sends me Pepsi. He does. Who else? Yeah. Ryan Galeato from oh, Byways Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about Noah Coltrip? Well, it's funny that you should ask. Wait, wait. We should do him last. And we should thank Salim Halibi. Halubi. Mm, I'm so sorry. Now do a what about... No, you've got to say, you've got to do the name. Halabi. Salim Halabi. Halabi. I'm so bad at names. Do you want to try it again? Nope. (laughs) (sighs) I've done all the self-improvement I'm going to do today. Anybody else? What about Noah Kotrip? Well, you know Stonehenge, the prehistoric monument in the English county of Wiltshire. I've heard of it. Yeah, so it's built with these giant stones, right? But have you heard of Foamhenge? Is it built with giant foams? It's a full-size replica of Stonehenge, and it's made out of styrofoam. Uh, And Noah recently found it in Centerville, Virginia. Was it lost? Well, prior to September of 2016, it was located in Natural Bridge, Virginia. So it might not have been lost, but it did move. Wait, I'm writing this down because I kind of really want to see right? that. <laughs> so this thing was created by fiberglass sculptor Mark Klein of the Enchanted Castle Studio. Uh, he actually, <laughs> Klein actually once said, This is my greatest achievement. Uh, that's how he talks. A lot of people don't realize that about Mark Klein, but that's how he, he talks. Uh, He said, about 15 years ago, I walked into a place (laughs) called Insulated Business Systems, where they make these huge 16-foot-tall styrofoam blocks. And as soon as I saw them, I immediately thought of the idea foam hedge. So, needless to say... What does it cover it with? You know, it's it's an exact replica of the original Stonehenge, uh, but... Most people say that it's even more photogenic because uh, it's located on top of this bluff right in the middle of the Blue Ridge Mountains, uh, you know, and so it's uh, it's a pretty nice thing, and, and Noah really had a great time there. There's a festival? There is a festival. Anybody else? And our, our last person is, who makes me happy, is Sarah. <laughs> Well, if you'd like a shout-out, we'd love to give you one, and you can get one by helping us keep the show on the air by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash podcast. When last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were sitting at this table recording a podcast, and now we're back. What have you been up to, Carrie? Oh, I've been doing lots of art. Um, I just com- finished um, my commission painting. Yeah? Yeah. It looks really cool. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing pictures. No, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just very happy that that the person who's getting the commission really liked it. Cause yeah, I was, because I was nervous could, about well, that. Well, because the painting sucks, and you. Were, <gasps> you were oh my gosh! Now I'm working on a bunch of tiny art for a show in December. 
Yes, uh, you posted a couple of those online. Yeah, I'm doing little postcards. You Water love post. that, don't you? Tiny little pictures. What? You like little pictures. You paint so many of them. Is it just because they're fast? Yeah, they're fast and they sell. People can't afford a giant painting, but they can afford like a $20 little watercolor. And they have art in their home. Mm-hmm. Sweet. What about you, Jason? What have you been up to? Well, where have you been for 18 weeks? So, of course, I've been working on the outage, and that's finally sort of wrapping up. At least my part of the overtime is over for a little while. Uh, and beyond that, I reread Pugmire, and I'm planning on. I know I talk about a campaign that I've planned that I never actually run a bunch of times over the years. Yeah. But uh, this one, I, Scott, my son, really wants to play in it, and Marty does too, and we think we can pick up a couple more people, and it'll be fun. Cool. Yeah, reread it. I love the Pugmire setting. It's just, uh, it's got enough cool stuff in it to give you hooks, but it's not really super defined because it's designed to be sort of sandboxy or whatever you want to do with it. Right. The final thing that's going on with me, and I probably should have talked about this more, is that uh, I'm studying this program called Primavera P6. It's by Oracle, and it is a, uh, a planning software for the construction industry. A lot of other industries use it too, apparently. And it is, uh, it's tough, but it's, uh, whoop, I'm using my hands to talk and I'm banging into stuff. Uh, but it's something I hope Welcome it's going to. Welcome back. Yeah. I'm hoping it'll improve my work prospects in the future. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. So what about Ryan? I have been recently blessed with brand new high-tech robot eyes. <laughs> so tell me more about your robot eyes. So today I went to the eye doctor and... He was doing my contact lens prescription and and he was asking me how I was doing with, you know, because I've been using reading glasses for like when I play magic and yes. stuff for a while. And I said, you know, I, I hate them because I never have them around and I, I miss reading. I don't read anymore. I've kind of. Because it's inconvenient. Yeah, because it's just a problem. Yeah. Uh, and he said, well, let me tell you a little secret. And it turns out that the last time I was there for my eye exam, he switched contact brands on me mm-hmm. because he knew that uh, I was a good candidate to get bifocal contact lenses. So he switched me to a brand that may to a brand that also does bifocals right um that way if it ever came up and i decided to move that way he could switch me and i wouldn't be getting used to a new lens brand i would just and. be getting right and the bifocals and uh it's I, I can read it's amazing so i i've read about these <laughs> right and it's like it's got a bunch of little lenses in it yeah and your eyes just figure out which one to focus yeah. through yeah so is it <laughs> It, reading glasses completely don't need them at all anymore. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> it's pretty it's cool. <laughs> have, you, have you thought about getting the the laser surgery? Is it just the financial? I'm, I am well. It, certainly, it's a financial thing. If we, if we were going to pay for somebody to have laser surgery, we'd pay for Carrie because her eyes are a lot worse. You, sure, I'm, I'm really blind. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I she is an has been told by the doctor she is an excellent candidate mm. for that. <laughs> he goes, you can't see anything, but your eyes are really healthy. Right. Yeah, so well, that's thanks. good. That's good. Thanks. And I am just sort of an average candidate for right. it. So, uh, but yeah, so that's like that's what's new with me. Yeah. Super so, high tech robot eyes. Well, how about we go and do uh, combat rounds? Something. Are we do an episode yeah. this time too? I thought we were just hanging out. <laughs> I don't know. We've we've hung out a long time. <laughs> I think going to combat rounds is the least we could do. Uh, Oh, maybe it's the most we can do. Nice. You ever ask yourself, what is the most I can do? Let's not do that. And I've always revised that number down. Yeah. The last few years especially. I'm like, what is the most I can do? Nope, I can't do that much. I'm going to do a little less. So we were trying to come up with a, a, a list of things to do for episodes, and yeah. one of the things that we want to do is talk to you about the gun belt. Oh no! Yeah, mm-hmm. and we've t- we've suggested doing this before, and you were always too embarrassed. And tonight, you had no better ideas, <laughs> so you're stuck. I like to say humble, humble, not embarrassed. No, I don't know if humble's the right word. I don't know it is either, but yeah. that's the one I'm clinging to. Yeah. All right. It's and the least I can do. It's the least. What? <laughs> 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 happening. So let's let's start start at the very top. How about hi, welcome to Honor Roll Podcast. Right. Hi. Is this a pain game, <laughs> <laughs> or am I just doing this show for the exposure? Exposure. Uh, You're doing the show with the hopes that it'll sell books. Right. Mm. Yeah. 
Thegumbelt.com. Yeah, the gumbelt. <laughs> is it thegumbelt.com? It is thegumbelt.com. Right okay. now, that just takes you to the Facebook page. But yeah. isn't that like one of the very first things you did? Yeah, it was one of the. Well, as you a, have to do that. My so true. So true story. My day job is I, I work in pu- public relations, mm-hmm. communications, and marketing. And nobody, we've never brought that up before. Right. And so the, but one of the things that you do when you decide what to to name something, part of that process is it's not just what sounds good, you know, or what, what identifies what we're talking about, but some of it is also like take five minutes and make sure that there's not something else called that and make sure that the, the domain name is, is available. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, for example, one of the, and, and I've talked about this, uh, for the folks listening, probably know uh, I'm kind of doing like a developer's blog, a developer diary, where I've been sharing some things uh, that you can find at, at our website, honorrollpodcast.com. And I know that I, I would obviously recommend Ryan's stuff anyway because we're friends, but seriously, do read it. They're really good if you want some, like how the sausage is made. Yeah. And so, but and it's, it's not it's always not, pretty. It's not dry, though. It's not either. dry. No. Like, like I, I read like them making in sausage. Oh my gosh. They're, they're interesting reads. Thank you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, one of the things that I talk about in there is how one of the original names that we came up with was high moon. And yeah. And, uh, it turns out that high moon was a werewolf comic book. I've read it. That took place in the wild west. And so there were, somebody already had, you know, all those domains and stuff. And so, uh, um, so we didn't go that route. I do recommend if you could track down a copy of that to read it because yeah. <laughs> it is excellent. It would right up y'all's alley. Well, too. the artist is—I uh, don't know if it's Steve Ellis or it's somebody though who did really. White Wolf. Yeah, it's a White Wolf artist. I think it's Steve Ellis. So anyway, for real though, what's the name of your game? So the game is called the Gun Belt. Uh, the elevator pitch is that it is alien and robot cowboys riding dinosaurs in an interstellar Wild West world without wheels. Because everything, like the kind of Star Warsy, everything hovers. But right, yeah, a little bit. It's kind of got that like clunky, junky sort of like, uh, you know, what is this little bit of, what is this little bit of technology doing in the middle of nowhere? Right. Yeah, uh, and. As with anything, uh, we felt like we really had to also be able to to call it something punk. So sure, because that's trendy. <laughs> it yeah. is. Uh, so we also will sometimes say that it's magnet punk. I like magnet punk. Um, it's a good term. Yeah, but essentially, you know, if you think about the world as as a western, mm-hmm. you know, it's a wild. It's it's really at its heart, it's a w- wild west with just a hint of sort of fifties. Sci-fi, you know, like like Buck Rogers, right? Touch to it. So it's like cowboys going pew pew, just a little All bit. Right. Yeah, they're right. not firing lasers. Uh, no, but, they're firing pews. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Giant church pews. Yes. Yeah. They're really big guns, and they're like, have a seat. Pew pew pew. <laughs> one of the things that we tried really hard to do with the game. Uh, I should also let me just take one second to say that uh, I am doing it with a partner. Yes. Uh, his name is Ashley Rayburn. And uh, hello, Ashley. Hello, Ashley. He's of course, listening. he listens to every yeah. episode religiously. <laughs> no, he really does listen. But uh, anyway, um, one of the things that Ashley and I really wanted to do with this game was to create something that could really be whatever game you wanted it to be. And I don't mean in the sense of creating a generic system, but I mean Westerns can be anything from uh, Blazing Saddles to Unforgiven. Right. And, and you know, everything in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even cowboys versus aliens. Yes. Right? Uh, the thing about a Western is that it can be as serious or goofy or fun, uh, you know, as you want it to be. And so it was important that when we built the world that we made sure that, that the world exists in a way that if when Carrie runs the gun belt, she wants to run something that's high shooting, you know, bandits robbing trains that she can focus on that. And if Jason, you're running it and you want it to be like a, a corrupt, you know, like a, what would be the equivalent of sort of like a corrupt railroad government kind of political thing in the wild Mm -hmm. West? Like you could do that. Right. And so that, that was something that we were really proud of. So you kind of made a vanilla, I'm saying vanilla because that's one of, that's the flavor you start with and then you add other flavors in. I like to say that it's like white icing. White and icing. you can color it however you want. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All well, right. just vanilla Vanilla feels bad. 
<laughs> but vanilla I mean, that's is so, the, like the most complex flavor. But I I'd also say. like to say that's what flavor white frosting is. <laughs> right. Well, and technically, white is all the colors. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what would you say is the central theme of this game? Well, you know, it's it's about group survival on a mysterious, oppressed planet. Okay. Um, you know, the characters With a little post-apocalyptic feel. So instead of uh, instead of thinking like apocalyptic. Uh, think more like like unexplored frontier. Like we talk in America about Western expansion, right? In that period, uh, and so we really took a cue from that. Uh, humans originated on a planet called Easton because it's back Easton. It's back Easton, yeah. I right? Knew and so uh, because again, we wanted it to be westerns. Even the serious westerns do still have just a little tiny light finger on the pulse of camp. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, we talk about back east and it was like this, right? And and the planet that they're on is is the planet Weston, mm-hmm. uh, but all of the locals just call it hell. Right. Uh, and the planet Weston is located in a region of space called the Weston Expanse, mm-hmm. like Western expansion. Right. Uh, and so it's really meant to be indicative of that idea of like, here is this, you know, this huge, it's almost like... In the Wild West, it was this idea of like you have the the whole this whole chunk of continent that we don't really that we haven't really uh, commanded yet. So let's let's talk about the the fact that there's positives and negatives to setting things in an Old West setting because the <laughs> Old West is while it can make some some amazing rich stories because we all love westerns right. and we like uh, but anyone who's seen Blazing Saddles know that there are elements that are problematic <laughs> there's definitely yeah. problematic elements and even in in shows that try to do a really good job portraying those right. it can feel very awkward sure. at times in fact sometimes the ones that are trying the hardest to do a good job representing what it was really like then can can occasionally have missteps so how do you try to deal with this serious issue well we for the the very first thing is we decided early on we didn't want race to be a thing. Right. Okay. And so, uh, you know, we, we didn't want anyone dealing with racism. Just right. It's not that kind of game. It's, it's just not it's that not kind of game. It's not built into the system. Right. Blazing Saddles can can broach that, but it's just not what I'm interested in. <laughs> You're not Mel Brooks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and also, just to be quite honest and frank, I'm a middle-aged white guy. What? I am not the person to create a game exploring those themes. Absolutely, you know, and there's some great games out there, right? I, I highly recommend people look at look at Haunted West. Yes, what Chris Bybee is doing, it is looks like be it's going to be a wonderful story. Yeah, uh, and so so that was just not a place we wanted to go. And in fact, uh, knowing that it created some parameters for us as we created the game. Uh, for example, uh, we didn't want races in our game in the traditional sense, like Dungeons and Dragons has, right? Because that can uh, that can even be a little problematic with Dungeons and Dragons. From time to time, it gets sort of heat for being a little archaic in those archetypes. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it, I mean, just like uh, how many Dungeons and Dragon games that seem perfectly normal have uh, a an elf versus dwarf conflict that's purely based on racism? Right. The reality is they're two different species. They're not two different races. Right. And so, so there, it's, there's problems. Uh, and so we decided right away we weren't going to have have uh, races. We were going to have species. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now I will tell you though, uh, as we developed, by the time we got to the end, we've come all the way back around, and we do actually have a race, but we are very specific and clear about it, and, and we can talk about that in a minute. But but as a, a conceptualizing, um, we didn't want to to do anything like that, so we did okay. species. So we have. Uh, we have humans, right? We have sorrels, who are a group of like reptilian humanoids. They are like the president of the United States. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but don't you insult, right? <laughs> don't you insult uh, reptilians like that? Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, so we have humans and sorrels, and then we also have howlers, who are like canine humanoids. Are they like uh, coyote people? They're almost? like coyote people. Yeah. And and then we have bots uh, and. The bots are interesting because there are uh, there are robots in this world. Right. They have created robots. It's the levitating mineral called levitite. Yeah. And it has mystical, mysterious properties. Ooh. And it has it is used as a power source for the robots. And some of the robots have somehow come alive and become sentient <laughs> and have their own uh, 
you know, they, they've become real people. You, you know, really they, do love droids. They're Pinocchios. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and, and they call themselves bots. So right. there are robots and there are bots. And the bots are actually like uh, almost like a new species, you know, and then robots are just machines. There's two variations on humans, though, correct? Correct. And that gets us into this idea of hellions. So there are um, – this mineral is obviously having some sort of strange effect on people. And so like one in a hundred people is somehow being changed by this element and they be- become uh, – they get a few mystical abilities. Uh, and with with sorrels, for example, the reptilians, uh, there are ge- what we call gekids and uh, cavalids. Mm-hmm. Um Gekids are able to tap into the mystical energies of Levitite and and actually just slough off a limb if they get wounded mm-hmm. uh, to you know to heal themselves. Well, this is I, relatively new because the last playtest we did, you didn't talk about this, right? Well, some of these some of these powers have changed in, in balancing things. Okay, cool. Uh, and then the Cavalids, they are uh, like sort of like chameleons. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're able to alter the magnetic you know fields field frequencies in their own body. Uh, and and kind of basically blend in and almost be invisible. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to talk about the the scraps and the birdies. Sure, because so birdies, I feel like that's that's because one of the things you want to do is avoid having racism in the game. Right. But birdies are explicitly a birdies, culture. Birdies are the race we ended yeah. up with. But are they a race or a culture? Well, they've ended up being a race. Okay. All right. So initially they were just a culture, but uh, so there when humans arrived on the planet they. Basically, indentured servitude is a thing on this planet. Right. Uh, we have an oppressive government and they, uh, you know, you think that you're going to this planet. You think you're going to Weston to, to start a new life and, and go out and, you know, be a part of the Levitite rush and, and strike it rich. And then you get there and when you arrive, uh, when you get off the space train, uh, the folks there are like, great, do you have your entrance tax? Ah, and you're blindsided by all of these fees so that you arrive immediately in debt to the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they offer you an indentured servitude program where you can work in their mines for several years and then and then move on. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so uh, what happened, though, was a group of humans from that first batch, they were like uh, negative <laughs> and, and they ran off. They just right? bailed on the whole idea. Yeah. And so they ran off and made a camp up in the mountains uh, and, you know, started to develop their own culture. And one of the things that they did was they started using a plant called shindy root. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and shindy root has it has a relationship with levitite. Mm-hmm. And so there are... They're like, oh, Ooh. hi, levitite, how are you? Lover. Lover. <laughs> uh, and so, but shindy root has mystical properties as well, and it is it accelerated these sort of hellion changes in these humans, uh, and they eventually became birdies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason they're called birdies is because uh, one of the things that they did with shindy root is they would smoke it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that had hallucinogenic properties and also somehow mystically enabled them to, to bond with avians, which are like these giant pteranodons that are on the planet. Right. And, uh, and they create a bond with them and are able to ride them and fly them. Uh, and part of the, this sort of evolution that's occurring in the birdies is that, uh, the shindy root has, has stunted their growth. So they all tend to be a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, cause to, smoking does that to you. Right. They're <laughs> unable to, unable to grow facial hair. Um, there are just some little things that have made them slightly, you know, just slightly different. And so that's why they are kind of, they've kind of actually become a race. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nobody has any sort of negative feelings about them because of that. Uh, they are considered to be weird because of their culture. And they're kind of outsiders. Right. One of the things we wanted to avoid with the racism thing was we did not want a Native American analogy. You because know, it was just too much. We didn't want to do cowboys and Indians because that is the same. That that ends that brings up, you back to the same problem. Back to the yep. problems, yeah. right? And so, uh, and you the, don't want to race them either. But again, right. it, you're not the person for that story. Yeah, birdie culture is very much like hippies, except we did not go with like a free love aspect because we did not want them to be like this sexualized culture. Right. Uh, we we. We, it just what that just didn't interest us. Sure. But we did want to explore the idea of them being a very polyamorous 
culture. So they have okay. maybe uh, like these polycules, but they're not like explicitly right. free love. Correct. They have closed relationships, right. but those are group closed relationships. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, and we thought that that would be, that's something that, that would give, you know, it, that will give some folks uh, something interesting to explore in role play if they sure. choose to go that route. And it's always nice for people to be able to see examples of something, you know, like if you're, if you, if you're poly, Right. To be able to open the book and go, oh, wow. Oh, there's some of that. Yeah, that's, you know, yeah. it's it's not considered weird. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, and you know, the I'm going to jump for just a second uh, and talk about the sorrels for just a second. Yes. Mm-hmm. The sorrels are, are gender fluid. So what does that mean to their society? Uh, first of all, the cool th- one of the cool things about the sorrels being uh, gender fluid is that it has enabled me to work with one of my friends, uh, Cosmo, and uh, they have been very, very helpful in in helping uh, deal with that with, with that aspect of those mm-hmm. of those mm-hmm. both as a like a sensitivity reader, but also giving you advice about yes. what what that would look like as a culture. exactly exactly. Sorrels are their their culture has an element of of tribal nature to them because mm-hmm. they they are actually the the one race that is from hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, they started there. Uh, and the sorrels, you know, they're, they have, uh, they live in small tribal communities where they, they are ruled by, uh, they have three people that they call the three stones mm-hmm. and, you know, those three, those three stones, they are the leaders of each, of each of the tribes. And then there's also a curemander, which is like their, uh, their spiritual guide person. Okay. Yeah. Then finally, we've got one of the other groups of humans, uh, are called scraps and scraps are basically humans who have lost a limb, uh, you know, either in an accident or or they were shot, you know, because it is the Wild West mm-hmm. or whatever. For whatever or reason, maybe not born with one, right? Yeah. For whatever reason, they they are missing a limb, and uh, the the howlers who are kind of engineering folks, mm-hmm. uh, the howlers have figured out a way to to attach robotic arms and legs, but can only do it to humans, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which they're very jealous of. <laughs> so one of the things I like now, about that, because I played one in one of the play tests, is the fact that I get to choose what level of of hindrance that missing a limb it is. Right. Like I can play it just like, well, this is the thing that happened to me, but I've got my robot leg now, and I kick way better. Right. But or but I can say this is a problem that I have to deal with. Well, you can tap into the mysterious powers of Levitite, right, and actually <laughs> utilize that the that robotic arm because it's powered by Levitite, right. And so you can utilize that robotic arm for advantages yes. or a robotic leg. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the, the cool things about that is exploring this idea that people who are uh, without a limb can actually be it, it can be an advantage. Right. You know, because so we, like there's people that might like cut off an arm. Right. I mean, Do, you, is that a thing that's in setting that people is it like the shadow run thing where somebody tries to upgrade or well, is it just it, we kind of we don't broach that a whole lot because we I feel like that's something that if somebody wants to explore that in a game, they're welcome to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay. it's not something that I want to. Uh, I don't want to encourage. Right. It, know, that's not what the game's about. Self harm is not something I want to explore. Okay. In the core book, as the writer. <laughs> that's <laughs> I'll fair. Put it that way. Uh, but I would also tell you though, the howlers would very much do that to themselves because they think that's awesome. But they it doesn't but, work. But it doesn't work on them. Okay. Right. So uh, I bring all the reason I I, I kind of talk that huge circle. Is this? Uh, you talk about how do we how do we deal with the problems? And the way we dealt with the problems is by creating other things uh, that that they can explore. For example, uh, you know, if you want to explore, uh, you know, the thing, the the pros and cons of polyamory, uh, you are able to explore that through birdies. Uh, or if you don't want to explore that, it can just be a thing that just is in your you know part of your culture and it's not a big deal. Right. Uh, if you want to explore this idea of when does life begin with the bots, mm-hmm. right? Right. You know, like at what point are you no longer a- allowed to terminate a robot because it is alive enough? When does it become sentient? Right. Yeah. You can ex- you can take the game that deep and explore choose. those questions. Otherwise, you're a robot. Woo! Look, yeah. you're awake. You're a bot. Right. And it does and it doesn't have to be in there. If you want to explore gender fluidity. You know, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know, and 
all of these things, there are all of these things that you can, you can look at and explore instead of, uh, instead of these major negative things. Instead, we've tried to give, uh, some, some things that are, are challenges in the world today, but, but they're um, almost positive they're, challenges. They're, I, Learn I, about this thing. Yeah, Explore it's, an, this. it's opportunities. Yeah. yeah. And I would like to say you can play any of these, like, uh, you can play somebody who's gender fluid or somebody that's in a polyamorous relationship as a human. Absolutely. But you've yeah. designed cultures explicitly for people who want to explore those. Right. Like, what yeah. if, and so basically, what if, what if these things were, were typical and common in society? As opposed to being... Dealt with the way they are now. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I get it. So it almost creates like, sure, you can do it as a human and nobody's going to give you any grief at your table. Right. Or they need to go. But if you want yeah. to play a culture in which that is not only a thing that is done, it is the default. Right. And we also, wanted to, we also wanted to make sure that none of those things were negative things as well. Right, you know, like like the, the the missing limbs. If you want to explore explore that sort of thing, you know, or if, uh, you know, if you are someone who is missing a limb in real life, and you you want to, uh, to see yourself in the game in some way, you're able to do that in a positive way, and it's not, you know, it doesn't come with with flaws. And it doesn't come with baggage. Baggage, yeah. yeah. Right. So. so, what's the deal with the howlers? What are they exploring? That's a secret. Ah, oh, you don't have it, do you? No, <laughs> no he does. He doesn't. I know it, but oh, it's you gotta tell me. Oh, it's oh, so good. Come on, come on. You have to tell me. I will. All right. So we just stopped the podcast for a second, so I could tell, so we could tell Jason. So uh, it's a pretty good secret, right. and I think yeah. it'll be a good one for the book. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's the thing is it is it is in the book. It's not like a secret we're holding for a splat book later or something. It is in there, but it's something that, that we don't really want to talk about yet. I think you should write the, you know, like every role-playing game book has got to have a short story in the beginning, right? Right. I think you should write it from the perspective of the Howlers. <laughs> because they're the one group who's got the most perspective. Right. Yeah. Because they interact with everybody equally. And because they work on the trains, they see everybody who comes in, they know the worst and the best of the big evil corporation. Right. And they also work with all the, you know, the different, I'm about to say racist. Psh. See, I, I want to mention that because they're, they're not races, they're, they're species. species, but it's really easy to fall back into that old habit. Yeah. 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 And anyway, they but, interact with all the other species equally. They're magnet punk. Yeah, and, and that's awesome. Punk, and they're right. cool. Yeah. And one of the, one of the, the other really great aspects to, uh, to the gun belt is that instead of riding horses, uh, they are all riding what they they're all riding hellbenders, which is basically uh, a, a miniature velociraptor, tyrannosaurus. Oh, it's the T Rex. Yeah, no, the head is bigger. It's, it's like the si- cool. it's like the size of a Jurassic Park velociraptor, but it's it's a T Rex. Okay, I've done and a lot of research on dino anatomy <laughs> for this. Right. Do they have feathers? So they do. They do not. I did <gasps> ask. I did ask about that though. Yeah, it's so hot right now. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody rides that. The beast of burden. Instead of cows, they have they call them trikes, but they're essentially they're triceratops. Except uh, they've they've their horns are are a little more bull like, giant. Yeah, they Uh, also kind of ride that divide between like uh, uh, oxen. Right. And mule. Yeah. And so because people just ride them too. Yeah. Right? And so if you can imagine this idea of a triceratops pulling a wagon that's hovering off the ground, mm-hmm. like that's, that's, that's kind of the, the feel of, of the, the texture of the game. I'm going to say that that is very Star Wars. <laughs> it's, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's super cool. Yeah. Uh, and so, so we're, we're excited about it. Um, the, the other kind of thing that we've not really talked about with the game is that the, there is a, the government is actually a corporation. Right. Uh, it, they're called Levacor. Right. Um, and uh, they sort of rose to power and overthrew the government after a war back Easton. Um, and so there is also like a really teeny tiny uh, element of sort of like Civil War reconstruction gone horribly, horribly wrong. Right. Uh, to the to the game. Uh, and so their decisions are all based on on greed and control, um, and so it has created a society that feels a little oppressed by this ominous shadow, you know, hanging over them, because uh, every role playing game has to have 
that. Well, you have to have a, a central <laughs> tension. You have to have, you right. have to have maybe not explicitly a big bad, but you have to have something. Yeah, that exactly. the characters are either drawn to or rebel against. Right. Well, yeah, because right. if everything's great, what are you role playing? What are we? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so it's it's super fun. We've we've run uh, quite a few playtests. Um, you know, one of the things that that we're we're still kind of flushing out is is the idea of what we call parcels, which are essentially the uh, the powers of the game. So, right. if it was vampire, it'd be the disciplines. You know, it's the magic spells. Essentially, it is the mystical abilities that uh, hellions possess. Uh, so, are know, all players hellions? All players are hellions. Yeah. Okay, because I didn't understand that before. We yeah, talked about it some. There's a hint. You know, we. A good game's got to have just a touch of power fantasy to it, right? Right, and so this is kind of the idea of how, like, actually, in, that came from Jason. It didn't absolutely, it? Came yeah. From Jason. Uh, it, it's kind of like in Dungeons and Dragons how uh, uh, the NPCs you encounter in the village are level zero. Yeah, and, but you're level and one. you're level one, mm-hmm. right? And so the 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 regular humans and the regular sorrels and the regular howlers and the regular robots they are all level zero, and then all of our players. Are playing bots and and hellions and and that's like level one. Okay. Yeah, and so you get you get parcels these these abilities uh, based on a little bit based on your species. Uh, you get you know you get one based on your species, and then we have a system where as your skills progress, uh, they're tied directly to your skills. They're not just independent powers. You so have. it's a it's a five level skill system, right? Right. Correct. And the fourth and fifth level both give you powers. Uh, third and fifth. Third and fifth. Third and fifth give you powers. Yeah. And, and you can th- usually start with three to four powers if you choose. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so one of the cool things is is it enables characters to all be very different. Mm-hmm. You know, and and also uh, because you're choosing which parcels you get, you know, if, if Carrie and I both have five stars in firearms. Pew, pew, which pew. is the best. We may also not have the same parcels. Yeah. Right. And you explicitly can't get all the parcels. And you cannot. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So every skill has three parcels, and uh, every character can only get two of them in each attribute. Uh, not attribute, but each skill. in each skill. Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah, and it's a basic, it's a basic attribute skill die pool system. Uh, one but of the use a two die six instead of like a dice pool. It's a target number system. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I, I've talked about the dice a little bit in one yeah. of the blogs. Is we really. Uh, I, our intent here was to not reinvent any wheels with because mm-hmm. it's a world without wheels. <laughs> so we didn't want to know one. The two so, six gives you a really nice bell curve. Yeah, you know we talked about the things that we loved. We loved the D six system from Western Games that Star Wars used to be. Uh, we love the simplicity of uh, the skill attribute. Uh, some skill attribute elements that that you find in the White Wolf games. Right. Uh, you know we really also like. Uh, some of the some of the newer mechanics in uh, fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons, like right. the um, what is it advantages and disadvantages, where you get to re-roll or, or roll an extra dice and keep the highest. I think oh, is yeah, yeah. And stuff like. And so there, we've kind of plucked some things that we like from different places and laid them on top of this basic die pool skill plus attribute kind of system. And to be fair, that's what every game designer does. Yeah, you know. They I mean, find something they like and they steal the fuck out of that's it. That's right, that's right. The most the most original game you've ever played probably was something else. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I read a, a great article by a musician that convinced me, like, so many things I would try to write would feel really derivative. Right. And he said that great music is hearing a song you like and thinking, I want to do a version of that. Right. Not a cover. Like, I want to do something like that. And then that's how blues becomes rock. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And rock becomes metal. Because somebody's like, I want to do a version of that. Yeah. And then instead of it being that original thing, it's now their take on it. And that's what designing a game is about. Yeah, exactly. You know, we use, uh, we have these things called, we call them bullet points. Right. Right. Inspired by like the the old, you know, you'd get drama points. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. In yeah. Old 7th C, right? right? Savage Worlds has a system just like that too. Right. Uh, the old Westing game system you'd get uh, in Star Wars, you'd get force points that you could spend for right. bonuses and stuff. Deadlands had chips. Right, and we kind of liked that. Uh, but what we also wanted to do was was make it something that they weren't yours. So they're not Jason's and they're not Carrie's. We wanted it to be a pool. Right. So that you and the, so that everyone playing has to share them. So basically you get one bullet point for each character that's in the in the group. Right, right, uh, and so so 
you have to spend those to use your parcels. Uh, and it kind of represents this idea that uh, they got to work together, right? You have to work together. Uh, you can't just freely just use your powers however much you want because you are just a being who is tapping into the levitite that's in your body, and there's not much there. There's not enough. Right? But as a group, but as a group, you kind of as you come together, all those magnetic forces are pulling and pushing on one another between you, uh, and it increases the amount of of you know these bullet points that you have access to. I'd also like for you to talk about the idea of your groups have a reputation. Because I think that's <laughs> like it's something that's sort of like uh, – it's. I don't want to say it's new because there's been a few systems over the years that use that. But I think that is a really interesting mechanic because usually one of the things that we assume when we sit down at the table is we're all a group that is somehow working together for right. a reason. And then by giving a little bit of a narrative semi-mechanical push to that – that's, I think that's a really great way to represent what the group is like. Yeah. Only thing I really remember from Earth Dawn yes. is that they had that. They had a reputation. Yeah, they, your reputation was super important. Yes. But it was, like I remember it fondly. Individuals in the gun belt have a reputation. Mm-hmm. And those reputations are tied specifically to skills. When you reach a certain level in each of your skills, each skill has a reputation that's tied to it. Great example is the, the shooting, which is right. that's your firearm skill, right? Shooting, uh, if you get enough stars in shooting, you are you have the reputation of being a gunslinger. So everybody, and that's a thing that everybody sort of knows, right? Right, right, and it can come into play that way. You can, uh, you you as a player could spend a bullet point and uh, and take advantage of that by saying. You know, you would spin the bullet point and you would say to your your storyteller, we, we call them tail spinners. You'd say to your tail spinner, you know, hey, I'm a gunslinger. So when I walk into this place and start shouting orders, you know, people are going to know, oh, that's a gunslinger. They don't they should be a little intimidated by me for that reason. And then as the tail spinner, I'd be like, yeah, that that makes perfect sense. This mm-hmm. is a Can't you car. also do it the other way? <laughs> as right. a tail spinner, you chip one in and be like. Everybody in this town knows you're a gunslinger, so either... So you can't the, talk peace and get away with it. Right, or yeah. Billy the Kid's going to try to draw you down just to get a little bit of a reputation bump himself. Right, and yeah. then I will give the the party's pool right. uh, a bullet Yay. point. Yeah. yeah, and it's so so it creates... a it, It's hopefully going to create an economy that, that plays out over the game. And also, players love titles. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, when you're watching a Western... You know, reputations were a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we wanted to really capture that. So well, do you want to answer the four questions or do you want to not do that? Oh, what four questions? You is know, that? The, the, the famous four questions. I know John Wick's written about them, but he didn't originate them. He he did add a fourth question to it, though. Right. And it's so, like, what is it about? Yeah. Uh, how does what's the best way of putting it? Uh, how does it show that what it's about? And uh, what behaviors does the game reward mechanically, and how is it fun? Well, these are so John Wick and, and another gentleman whose name escapes me. But if you go back to one of my the design diaries that I you wrote, get the list. I, yeah. I talk about that, and I name who it is and where it came from. Uh, but um, the idea is that it, that anyone creating a role playing game should answer these four questions before they get too far involved because yes. if you can't because because those four questions will guide your development and, mm-hmm. and help you get to the core and the root of what your game is and coincidentally if something about your game doesn't work you can usually find the problem exists because you've poorly answered one of these questions mm-hmm. so let's hear them what's all right yours? so with with the gun belt uh the gun belt is about group survival on a mysterious oppressed planet uh, the characters are all born on Weston. They're all second or third, you know, generation inhabitants uh, existing outside the treachery of Levacor. Uh, and they have mystic powers caused by the unusual mineral that's scattered across the world. Okay. So that's kind of what it is and how it does it. Okay. So what behaviors are rewarded in this well, game? So the mechanics reward the party for working together. That's the shared bullet dice system. Right. Uh, and it also awards... You know, obviously, experience points for role mm-hmm. play, right. uh, for role playing faults, and uh, that faults are kind of like your our, our flaws system. Sure. Uh, you get you get experience points and and bullet point refreshes for role playing faults, uh, and also the reputation system is tied to that. Yeah, I was going to say having high the, the game explicitly rewards having high skills right. in two different ways or three ways really. You're really good at it. You get access to a magical power, and then also you pick up a reputation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
So you're you're expected to be really good at things. At something. At something, yes. Yeah. So what's fun? So this is the Levacore part. It's yeah. fun because, you know, traditionally people like sticking it to the man. Yeah. They want uh, to oppose the big evil corporation. Right. And then I hate that part of my answer is the simplistic, but but it's totally true. Childhood fantasy and wonder is like spoken so clearly with cowboys on dinosaurs. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. And it's fun because cowboys on fucking dinosaurs, yo. Yeah. I, I will say too that your uh, mechanical system, uh, now that we've you've got it pretty much refined, right? It's a lot of fun in and of itself. You get to you get to, usually you're rolling like three dice, and because you're either get an advantage or a disadvantage, it and, is possible to roll four d sixes at right, most because it's a bullet point, right? And it's just the right amount to feel like okay, I've got you know this. There's some you're rolling something. There's some textile yeah. fun here. Te- right. Textile fun. Of rolling the dice. But you're not having to do a ton of math. I'm not having right. to do a ton of math. And because it's two dice six and you add them together, it's a bell curve. So I usually feel like I'm good at the things I'm good at. Right, right. And I'm not completely incompetent at other things. Yeah. If I can make the roll, I have, I sort of kind of know where it's going to be at. And right. I'm, and so it means that when it does swing, that's exciting. Right. Instead of being, fuck, I, I won again? Yeah. yeah. And, and we have a... Uh, we, we push that even further in that we have two target numbers. Right. Right. So we have one target number that just indicates you succeeded. And then we've also got what we call a bullseye success right. target number. Mm-hmm. And if you hit that, it refreshes a bullet point yeah. for you. You know, and so that, so that kind of pulls that all back around it's again. It's fun to, to do that right. just from a mechanical standpoint. And I like the fact that it feels complicated without being complicated. Right. Yeah. You know, I feel like, oh, I've got to do a little math. Got to think about how I want to stack things to get my dice to roll right. Uh, but my 10-year-old daughter totally gets it and doesn't have to get Absolutely. told what to add every time she rolls. Yep. And this isn't a heavy tactical game. Nope. This is no. this is very fluid, um, sort of like a storyteller game, but without the huge complexity of disciplines or uh, right. gifts or what have you. Yeah. Huh? Oh, okay, so I've got one question about that. That's something I think about a lot. Sure. Because I've played in games that have hit this limit. How far do you think you can take your character? When does it stop being fun? I believe that there are very few games that are just as strong uh, to Dungeons and Dragons for a second, uh, just because it's a universal language. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I believe there are very few games that are just as strong playing level one. As playing level 30. Sure. They're just most games are not equipped to do that. There are editions of D&D that don't do that. Yeah. No. Right? Like Pugmire that I was talking about, it caps out at 10th level. And that 10th level is probably closer to 15 in D&D terms. Right. Uh, because it uses a stripped down Dungeons Dragons yeah. system. You know, if you look at... But it's, it's flat out says, you should stop here. Right. And make another character. If you look at Vampire and Werewolf, like mm. the playability of Werewolf goes way farther then as far as power creep, it goes right. way longer to to max out werewolves than it does to max out vampires. Right. Just games, uh, not all games have the same sustainability. Sure. But I also believe that, that not all games should. No, it's okay. Uh, you know, Kids on Bikes is explicitly meant to be like one or two shots always. Every game you play should just right. be one, one night or two One nights, big adventure. Right, and then be done. You know, and then next week you come together and you can make different kids or, uh-huh. or whatever. And so um, there are all types of games on the market now. And so that's cool. Uh, as far as the gum belt goes, I really think, and, and obviously I haven't done this because uh, we've not been done enough with it to, right. to play for to just now. Right. <laughs> uh, but I, I believe in doing math and just sort of faking some simulation sure, sure. things. Uh, I actually think the gum belt, you could probably play for, for run a, a good year long campaign and feel pretty good about it. Um, I don't know that it, it could be played, you know, forever. It's like, not a 10 like, year game. Yeah. You're not, you know, I don't think it has the longevity that uh, a Dungeons and Dragons game. Because it hits can. about level 20 and that's, that's good. Right. Right. Yeah. But I mean, level 20, if with, with a, um, if you play a every cons- week, that's better 
there's an average of a level every three games, right. sort of. Well, so say, that's well over. That's like a year. three years. It's like two years. Yeah, give or yeah. take. A conservative storyteller, it could be three years. Right. Right. So, but but I think this game you could comfortably play it for a year. But and then, then it'd be that, time to change up. Right. And I like to think after you've played this game a year, you should play different characters and explore something mm-hmm. else. Yeah. It could yeah. even be the same setting. Oh like, no! They, I would definitely keep they it going need to forever. Keep playing the gun belt forever no. because no, no, he means I mean, the same, <laughs> the same, like the same world. Right, and then your right. characters retire in the NPC status or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I, I just always think about that because one of the ways that I judge a game is how is this game designed for the character to exit the game? Right. I wish that Ashley was here. I tried to get him to to come. He was was unable to. He's got got a couple of young kids, and so he couldn't be here today. But uh, Ashley was a big proponent when we started out. He really wanted the gun belt to be like kids on bikes. He in in the the sense that he really wanted it to be something that you play for one to three sessions, uh-huh. and then and then you call it. Yeah. Um, well, he was also a, a, a proponent of going powered by the apocalypse, right? Which is a really cool system, and I. I'm very interested in it and would love to get to play sometime. <laughs> but uh, I think that y'all coming up with your own system has actually worked out much better. Yeah. Yeah. Because it gave you a lot of power over it to get exactly what you wanted. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So. I have one final question. Okay. And this is a little selfish. Okay. Okay. Because I know at some point you're going to run a, a game for us. Mm-hmm. So I would like to know what your favorite Western movie is so I can prepare to know what game I'm going to be playing. Oh, that's a good question. Interesting. So my favorite Western movie is not the kind of Western movie I would run for you. Oh. So let's hear both of them. So my favorite Western is High Noon. Really? Yes. I love High Noon. I love the fact that it takes place over real time. You know, the movie is like 90 minutes long and it takes place over the course of 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's centered around uh, the, the ticking clock mm-hmm. and, and, and it's, you know, moving towards a gunfight at high noon. And I just feel like uh, I feel like Westerns, I feel like the Western motif is really so much about like a ticking time bomb kind of feel. That tension. Like yeah, like if you've ever watched a really good western like Hell on Wheels or <laughs> uh, or Deadwood, like you're just wait like this town's going to blow up before this series is over. You're just right. waiting for the town to explode, right? Uh-huh. And I feel like I feel like High Noon is sort of like the movie version of that and it's such a classic. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say I'm surprised cuz I thought you were going to name the other one. Oh, which one did you think I was going to name? I thought you were going to name the one with uh, Leo. Oh, you thought I was going to talk about The Quick and the Dead. Yeah. Right. Which well, is see, good, too. Yeah. Right. But The Quick and the Dead is the game I would run for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> see, because I want to run The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. Yeah? Because that's my absolute favorite Western. And you and th- this uh, this game totally would support... So, wait, I want to hear why Quick and the Dead, though. You, and let me just say, you could run High Noon with this game. Sure, sure. Okay, but you would be running it more like a Kids on Bikes, sort of like playing a one-shot. Right. 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 Yeah, that makes um, sense. So, the Quick the Quick and the Dead, are you familiar with The Quick and the Dead? Uh, I have watched it when I was a kid. All right, so, The Quick and the Dead, the, the really just short version of it is... Is there is this little small town on the frontier, right? And it is run by a mayor who is really just totally corrupt, and and he is the mayor because he is the most powerful, wealthiest person in town, and he is dirty. And for his enjoyment, uh, his his entertainment is every so often he hosts a gun a a, a showdown, right? Yes. And so what? It's coming so back to me. this movie takes place over the course of the couple of days that the showdown happens, where you know they've got the chalkboard and they're scribbling everybody's yeah. names on it and stuff, uh, and <clears throat> and basically two at a time, you know, they draw names or whatever, and two at a time they go out onto the street, and then you have half as many, right? <laughs> and then the next group goes out, uh, and the next, and it's all done so that basically so that the mayor can get his rocks off, and uh, the mayor is also an excellent shot. Mm-hmm. And so um, the mayor is also using this as an opportunity to uh, to go into a gunfight against a guy that that he used to know many, many years ago who was faster than him. Mm. And so he actually had his men go out and kidnap the guy and bring him to town to force him to fight. OK. But anyway, it's it's really good. And uh, the reason the reason that, that that feels like the more the kind of game I would run is because because that that oppressive mayor is very levacore. 
Yeah, but, yeah. You know, he would be he would be there. He's th- this idea of like this Grand Moff Tarkin kind of mayor mm-hmm. in a town, basically making the town do whatever he wants because he's in charge and, and nobody you, can stop. And him. you all have to do that. Well, what are you going to do? How yeah. are you going to How are you going to handle this? Are you going to play along till the moment? Are yeah. you going to play along? Are you going to just n- try and not? Mm-hmm. Um, that that would be really interesting to me in in the gun belt setting. Oh. I get it. Yeah. What What about you? You're running a gum belt game. Okay. Barry. If I'm running a gum belt game, I would first insist that everyone bring me Pepsi. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's normal though. Because that's normal. Yeah. No. 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 Um. I would actually use Firefly. Really? Yeah. It's a great choice. Well, because there is, I, I tend to run games that have a little bit more of a. Um, I don't want to say goofiness because that's not yes. quite right. No, right. I know what you mean. But you know, like, a humor component. Yeah, I, I definitely think I add a little bit more humor than you know, like sure. a very serious. You know, quick in the dead, or you know, like I don't really right do that as well as I do like silly moments in between right, tension. Right. Um, and I, I have always, I like running stuff where people are the, the, uh, the underdogs. Right. Right. And you know that's that's all fire. It's the damn is. the man thing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so like a, a mission for you would be like we go to do something and we realize that it was maybe too morally questionable. for yeah. us. Oh, if we steal this levitite, you know, levitite, levitite, levitite. If we steal this levitite, you know, this town is gonna blow up or whatever. <laughs> oh, maybe we shouldn't. Oh no, now this guy's I mad like at it. us. Yeah. Ash- Ashley and I laughed because one time uh, we we kind of just gave the the elevator pitch to to folk to somebody and. And and they said, well, that just sounds like how the West was won, Jurassic Park, and and Firefly. And you're like, what do you? And I was about? like, <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is, is 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 Ashley and I were both like, there's there's just a moment where it was like, dang, that is what it is. And then it was like, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, which of those things is it that you don't like? Right. Because right. I'm judging you now. <laughs> yeah. I'm not judging my game. I'm judging mm-hmm. you. You're right. Right. So uh, that's great. Yeah. A little Wild Wild West, too. Yeah. What about, what about you, Jay? Well, what, what's your favorite Western? Or is, is Firefly really your favorite Western? I don't know that I have a favorite Western. That's fair. You don't that, watch a lot. Yeah, that's not real. I mean, I like Firefly. Yes, of course. But it's like, excellent. I tend to fall into that being more of a sci-fi in my head. Sure. Um. So, you know what? My favorite Western would probably be Hell on Wheels. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. It's and it so good. Really good, and, and it so really good. it really captures that that feel of the the western expansion. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's explicitly building the railroad. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Jay? Well, you know, good the good and the bad the ugly is yeah. my favorite western. So right. I always like uh, uh, morally questionable situations for the characters to be in. Right. Not in that they have a. In which they have to decide not what their morals are, but like, is this too far for me, or is this uh, like. I'm trying to figure out the best way to put it. I like people to be tension within the group mm-hmm. and how they deal with that and how they both overcome it and when they fall to it and things like that. Right. Not quite PvP, but more like, uh, you know, me and you don't like each other, but we're doing this thing together because we have a good reason. Yeah. And then how that plays out. Right. Right. And if it comes down to a gunfight at the end between the last three players, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that only really pays pays off if your if your campaign was like a year and a half long. You have to tell them that. Then it play, then it or pays it's off. a one shot. Right. Yeah. It can yeah. only be a one shot or a super long yeah. one. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, that's yeah. kind of the gunbelt. So I'm just going to say, the Kickstarter you know, drops tomorrow. No, it does not. It does not. The Kickstarter is going to should be hopefully late spring is kind of what we're hoping for. Okay, we are trying to get a playtest packet ready that we can uh, get to people. Uh, like I say, when I say strangers, I don't mean necessarily people that I don't know, but just people who haven't played the game with me or Ashley. Right. Right. Uh, I'm looking for people to take what we have written. And use it how they read it, mm-hmm. and see what that is, what those games are like. And so, uh, if you have a gaming group and you think that the gun belt sounds like something that you would enjoy, uh, enjoy trying to experience, and if you think it's something that you would like to to help out with giving mm-hmm. feedback on and stuff, because also playing the game isn't helpful if you don't give us feedback. <laughs> Fair. Uh, but anyway, if that's something uh, you know, you can email us uh, at at hosts at honorrollpodcast.com if you want. And uh, and please go to our Facebook page uh, at thegumbelt.com and, you know, check like, it out. Share. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And 
read the developer diaries. It's a really good, like deep dive into your brain about why you made certain decisions that, uh, we tried to bring out while we were talking, but it's just, you're a really good writer for stuff like that. And you nail a bunch of things that I had questions about. I'll be honest. We are way farther along in developing the game than where the diaries are at. Right. Right. And so, like, like the last developer diary is like stage ten, and we're already at like stage twenty, step sure. twenty, right? But um, and so it's funny because I'm, I'm, you know, there's some things that I wrote about, and I was like, well, I know that that ends up changing, but this is how we got to that decision, sure. so that's where what we're writing about. But um, I, I'm trying to write it to help people who are developing their own games because. Uh, I'm keeping in mind things like, man, I wish I'd have fucking known that when I was at stage 10. Yeah. And so I'm I'm writing the blog about stage 10 to kind of convey like the thing that I learned, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe that's helpful to some people. Maybe they just like reading it because they like what I wrote. Hey, or, I like or nuts maybe, and bolts. I or maybe see. they're like, Ryan, you son of a bitch. That sucks. No. I really want people to post that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go to game rap. the game wrap that's the end Ooh. I'm Tucker you're yeah. Tucker well you had to do more talking than usual I know I'm hoping they talked you all out for a change I hope I didn't scare people off no I don't think so well we can be found at honorrollpodcast.com uh, the podcast is on iTunes Stitcher anywhere else that you find the garbage that you listen to when you're driving yeah, absolutely <laughs> uh, how do you always say that hey you know what I know somebody that he listens to all of his podcasts while he's taking a shower Really? Yep. Bizarre. Well, I mean, it's... I mean... Some people get bored while showering. Sure. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at Honor Roll Podcast. Of course, Facebook.com slash group slash Honor Roll Podcast. Send us an email at hosts at honorrollpodcast.com. And please consider going to become a patron at patreon.com slash honorrollpodcast. Please. Yeah. Please, Patreon. Yeah. Well, I, I feel I don't. It's weird that I'm the one giving the experience points tonight because you guys ran the show. Oh mm. yeah, um, Carrie, why don't you give that XP? Okay, uh, Ryan, you get one for showing up. Thank That's you. Fair. Thank you. That's welcome. good. Um, and Jason, thank you for co-hosting. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, join us next week when uh, when we do a live actual play of Impeachy Keen, the brand new Donald Trump impeachment trial role playing <laughs> game to combat simulation. Oh. Uh, I thought maybe it was a drinking game. <laughs> no, we'd all die. I, right. mm-hmm. Until next time, remember the only way to win at a role-playing game is to have fun. Now I'm thinking about the mm-hmm. Sharpie mechanic. There'd have to be a Sharpie-based mechanic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just, nope, that doesn't happen. I mark it out. <laughs> <laughs> Veto. Nope, that's where the storm's going. See where I changed it? Oh, boy. <laughs> I can't wait till he gives himself a medal. Thank you.